Well, good morning again. Thank you for being here. Today is the last message in our series called Him. And the whole series has been focused on living for something greater than ourselves. That's why David and Katie Cox are living in South Asia, moved there just a couple of months ago. Some of you may know David and Katie. They're from this area. In fact, David's brother, Daniel, led worship for us in the Life Center service for a good time. But David and Katie felt the call of God to go to a very dark country to tell others about Him. You know, for the last two or three years, through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, we have raised over $50,000 a year, every, each year for the last several years, uh, with this intent to add another missionary to the field. The, the goal was to take $52,000 at least, send it to the IMB to add another missionary to the field. This year, we need to support our missionaries now more than ever. The, the, the need is more urgent than ever. As David explained in the video, earlier this year, the IMB announced that uh, due to lack of funds, that they would have to reduce the missionary force by six to 800 people. Uh, the thought of six to 800 people leaving the mission field is heartbreaking and disturbing. So we hope to do our part in this by giving the largest gift we've ever given to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, giving the largest gift we've ever given to taking the gospel to the nations. We hope to give at least $55,000 this year on December the 13th. I hope you'll partner with us and plan to give on December the 13th to this strategic and very important offering. But remember this, the reason that we go to the nations, and the reason that we give to the nations to support the missionaries around the world is because of Him. You see, when we live for something greater than ourselves, then we can begin to understand the need to tell others about Him. Let me say that again. When you live for something greater than yourself, then you understand the need to, to tell others about Him. And so I think it would be very important, as you just seen David and Katie, knowing that they just got there a couple of months ago, still trying to get adjusted to everything, knowing the shortfall at the IMB and the need of the nations right now, I think it would be, be very appropriate for us just to pause and pray uh, for this situation. Father, I thank you for Dr. David Platt and for the leaders that we have at the International Vision Board who are trying to make strategic and vital decisions in a very difficult season. I pray, Father, that you would give them that wisdom and discernment as they make decisions that, that no one wants to make. I pray, Father, for David and Katie. I'm so grateful that you've worked in their heart, that they have such a burden for the nations that they would leave the comfort of this area and go to a distant and dark land. I pray for safety for them as they serve in that area. I pray, Father, also that you give them fruit, Lord, for their efforts. May it be a harvest that they see, and may it be fruit that will last. I pray, Lord, that as they adjust to a new culture, that, God, that they would remember that they are there because of Him. And I pray, Lord, also for our Lighting Moon Christmas offering, that this year we will indeed be able to give more than we've ever given before, and Lord, may we be able to keep some missionaries on the field this year. Help us to do that and show us what we should give. And I pray that in Christ's name. Amen. Well, would you open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1? We're finishing the series today as we've been working our way through Colossians chapter 1. And in Colossians 1, uh, we've, 
we've looked at several aspects of what it means to serve Him, to live for something other than ourselves. So open your Bibles and let's look at God's Word together. Now, I heard one pastor who said he used to say, open your Bibles and he'd hear pages turning. He said, now when I say open your Bibles or turn it on, all I see is the warm glow of God's Word on their faces. So whatever you do, whether you turn it on or open it, however you find it, Colossians chapter 1 is where we're going to be looking at today. Now, what I'm about to tell you is going to sound perhaps odd to some, and I don't want to be misquoted, so I'm going to ask you to make sure that that you give me your full attention, because I want to make a statement that I hope will jar you a little bit. Here's the statement. I'm convinced that most Christians are missing half of the gospel. I'm convinced most Christians are missing half of the gospel. Some of you are here today, you're likely missing half of the gospel. Now, I'm not suggesting that you're not saved. I'm not suggesting that at all. If you have by faith received the gift of salvation made possible through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, if you've placed your faith in His sacrificial death, then the Bible says you are saved, you are born again. But too often, that's all we focus on. Too often all we focus on, watch this, is what Christ has done for me. Now, let me be clear. I'm thankful for what Christ has done for me. How about you? you thankful for that. I mean, last week we had the Lord's Supper, and the Lord's Supper is all about what Christ did for us. And the Bible says that here's what Jesus did for us, that, that Jesus made peace between us and God through His blood shed on the cross. And I'll remind you what we read last week. It's in Colossians chapter 1, verse 21, where he says, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in His sight without blemish and free from accusation. I, let me say it again. I am grateful. For what Christ has done for me. And what Christ has done for you. But. If your relationship with Jesus Christ. Is limited to what he's done for you. You are missing. Half of the gospel. This is what the Apostle Paul addresses in Colossians chapter 1. The Apostle Paul calls it a mystery. Let's begin reading and see what we can find out. See what it is that perhaps some are missing. Verse 24, Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of His body, which is the church. Notice how he begins this verse by saying, I rejoice in what was suffered for you. In other words, as Paul was taking the gospel to the nations, it was not always easy. As he was taking the gospel to dark places, it's not always easy. Paul suffered for taking the gospel to the world, and yet he was able to rejoice in that because he understood that the gospel changes lives and brings people into the kingdom of God. And so we go on to verse 25. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me. In other words, what I'm doing, God commissioned me to do. And and here's what he says my goal is. Verse 25, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. 
notice this phrase, to present the Word of God in its fullness. The Holman Christian Standard Bible says to make God's message fully known. Paul says that's my goal, that's my desire, to make the gospel fully known. The message translation says laying out the whole truth. So Paul says there's this mystery I want to tell you about. There's this mystery I have been commissioned to explain to you. And I want to explain to you the full gospel, the whole gospel, the, the whole truth. And then in verse 26, Paul refers to this mystery of the ages. Look what he says in verse 26. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations. In other words, in the days of the Old Testament, this mystery was not known. In the days of the Old Testament, the Old Testament prophets did not say anything about this mystery. This mystery was not proclaimed. It was not known. It was, it was not yet disclosed in the days of the Old Testament. For ages and generations, there has been this mystery. Look how he says it in verse 26. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but, but is now disclosed to the saints. You know, people love a good mystery, don't they? You probably, some of you like mystery novels and, and you like shows about, television shows about mystery. We, we Americans love a good mystery. We, we wonder who killed JFK. We wondered, you know, what happened to the Malaysian Air Flight 370 that disappeared without a trace. We, we wonder if the Loch Ness Monster is real. There's just all kinds of mysteries in the world we can't understand. Mysteries in the world we can't explain But those mysteries pale in comparison to the mystery that Paul is talking about in verse 26. In fact, the word mystery there is an interesting word. It's a transliteration of the Greek word mysterion. And it literally means this, a sacred secret hidden in the past but now revealed. Mysterion, a sacred secret hidden in the past but now revealed. You say, okay, so, so what's the mystery? What is this sacred secret that's been hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed? Verse 27. Verse 27 is the hinge verse in the entire text. He says, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is, here's the mystery, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. I want to ask you to underline those three words. So important words. Christ in you. That is the mystery that Paul is talking about. That phrase means that Christ is in us. He is the one who is our our hope. The hope of glory, it says in verse 27. Uh, that, That phrase, the hope of glory, indicates that Christ is the one we depend on for the glory of salvation. He's the one we depend on for the glory of heaven. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, it's all about Christ. From beginning to end, it's all about Christ. And please notice this, that our hope is anchored in a person. Our hope is not anchored in a, in a denomination. It's not anchored in a religion. It's not anchored in a set of rules. It's not anchored in, any, in our baptism. Salvation is anchored in the person and work of Jesus Christ. The hope of glory. And this is the secret, the revelation of the mystery that has been hidden for ages and generations but is now revealed to us. Christ in you. 
Now, who could have imagined that? In the days of the Old Testament, who could imagine that, that Jehovah God would one day dwell in us? In, in the days of the Scripture, who could have imagined, the early days of the Scripture, who could have imagined that Jesus Christ would come to live in us? But listen to me, that's the reason you can be different. It's because of Christ in you. That's the reason that you can break free from your past. Because of Christ in you. That is the reason that what binds you can be broken. Addictions that might hold you can be broken because of Christ in you. That's the reason that you can have hope when you're beyond your breaking point. That is the reason you can have peace when your heart is broken. That is the reason when you can, that you can be strong when you have no strength. It is because of Christ in you. You see, the Christian life is not about how good I can be. It's not about how strong I can be. It's not about how dedicated I can be. It's not even about how holy I can be. In fact, the Christian life is not about me at all. It's about Christ in me. That's the difference. Paul said this in Galatians 2.20 when he says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Even in that verse, we see those two aspects of the gospel. In that verse that I just quoted, Paul talks about Christ lives in me. And he also talks about what Christ did for me, that He gave Himself for me. You see, here is the gospel, ladies and gentlemen, both, both halves of the gospel. Christ did something for me at Calvary, but also Christ lives in me today. You see, too often we just focus on what Christ did for me. What He did for me 2,000 years ago. And sometimes people wonder, how can something that happened 2,000 years ago change my life? Well, that is strategically important what He did for you 2,000 years ago. But just as important is what He wants to do in you today. Christ in you. You see, maybe I can put it to you this way. It's not just about what Christ did for me at Calvary. It's what Christ wants to do in me at Powdersville. Christ in me. So that brings me to two points of application. Now that we've kind of set that as our foundation, there's two points of application I want to give you today. The first one is this. This mystery of the ages is not to remain a mystery. Verse 28, Paul says this. We proclaim what? Him. We proclaim Him. Paul says we are not just recipients of this mystery. We are to be communicators of this mystery. I read recently of a woman in Africa who late in life heard the gospel for the first time and became a Christian. She was overwhelmed by God's grace and God's goodness. And with gratitude, she wanted to do something for Jesus and for the kingdom but she was 70 years old, she was uneducated, she was unable to read, and she thought, what can I do? What could I ever do for Jesus and for the kingdom? And she went to a missionary that had introduced her to Jesus. and She had a Bible, even though she couldn't read it. The Bible was in French, and she couldn't read any language. And, and, but she went to the missionary, she said, would you do me a favor? Would you underline in red John 3.16? He said, certainly. And so he opened the French Bible, underlined in red, John 3.16. Then she started going down to the schoolyard when the school was letting out every day in the boys' school. And 
when the boys would come out of the school. She said, boys, come here a minute. Come here a minute. Boys, do any of you know French? And they would proudly, yes, ma'am, I know French. Uh, could you read this to me? She'd open her Bible to John 3.16. And could you read this that's underlined in red? What does that say? And, and the boys would read it to her. And then, she's, then she would say, do you know what that means? No, ma'am, we don't know what that means. And she said, let me tell you what that means. And she told them about Jesus. And listen to this, true story. 24 of those young boys grew up to be pastors. How do you explain that? You explain that when you recognize that not only are we the recipients of this mystery, we are also to be communicators of this mystery. You see, the mystery that has been hidden for the ages has now been displayed. It has now been made known. And God wants us to be the ones who help people understand the mystery they don't, they don't understand. The mystery should no longer be a mystery. And so would you mark in your Bible, this is one of those phrases I want you to mark and remember, and, and maybe it'll be the, in the forefront of your mind for the next several days. These three words, we proclaim Him. We proclaim Him. The other day, probably a week or so ago, I was studying this passage, maybe a week and a half ago, I was studying this passage, and I was walking on the parking lot by myself, and I was looking at the sanctuary one evening, and I stood there and I prayed, God, that's what I want to happen in this place. I want this to be a place where we proclaim Him. I recognize afresh and anew, we've got nothing to share if it's not about Him. Every Sunday, we should proclaim Him from this pulpit. Every Sunday in your BSF class, you should proclaim Him. When we sing and when we worship, we should proclaim Him. When we go to our jobs throughout the week, we should proclaim Him. When we go to our schools, we should proclaim Him. In all of the things that we do, in all of our ministries, in all of our mission trips, we should proclaim Him. We've got nothing better to talk about than Him. This is the mysterion. This is the age, the secret of the ages now has been displayed. And this mystery of the ages should not be a mystery anymore. We proclaim Him. Who do you know? Who needs what you have? Who do you know? Who needs Him? The second point of application is this. This mystery of the ages... Includes everyone you know. This mystery of the ages includes everyone you know. There's a key word in verse 28 that is found twice in the NIV translation. And it's found three times in some other translations. Uh, in verse 28, uh, here's what he says. We proclaim him admonishing and teaching. Here's the key word. Everyone. With all wisdom so that we may present everyone. Perfect in Christ. Now, in some translations, they translate it this way. We proclaim and admonish everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. What do you think Paul was trying to get across? He was trying to get across this key word, everyone. He wanted you to know that the gospel of Jesus Christ, this mystery that has now been made known, is not just for a select few. It is for who? Say it with me. It is for 
You need to understand when Paul was writing this letter, he was writing in a time when there was a heresy in the land, a false teaching in the land called Gnosticism. Gnosticism was the false teaching that you obtained salvation through knowledge. That, that if, you, if you had the correct knowledge, you could obtain spiritual sanctification or perfection. It's through knowledge that you, you gained salvation. But this secret information, this hidden plan was only revealed to a select few. Not everyone had this knowledge. Not everyone could obtain this knowledge. It was selected to an exclusive group. And against that backdrop, Paul writes about this mysterion. He says, no, it is not for a select few. It is not a mystery that only a few can know. Paul uses the word everyone three times to say this gospel, this mystery is for everyone you know. The Jew would never have agreed to that. The Jew in Paul's day would have said, no, 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 no. This gospel, this good news is for the Jews, not for the Gentiles. The Gnostics in that day would never have agreed with that. Uh, They would have said, no, 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 no. This is reserved, salvation is reserved for a select few people. But the fact of the matter is, the only thing in this world that is for every person is Christ. Think about this. Not everybody can go to Harvard, right? There's just certain people that can go to Harvard. Not everybody can go to University of Tennessee. There's just, there's just certain people that have been gifted for that, you know? Not everybody has the skills to be a lawyer. Not everyone has the skills to be a doctor or an accountant. There's just certain people who are gifted at that. Not every person has the creativity to be an artist. Not everybody has the creativity to be a writer. Not every person can sing. You know that. You heard them today, right? Standing next to you. Not every, it was a joke. Not everybody can sing. Not every person is going to win the Heisman. Not every school is going to win the national championship. You see, we understand that there are gifts that some never possess. There are privileges that some will never experience. We understand that in life, not everyone can experience these things. The only thing in the world that I know of that is for everyone is Jesus. Every person has an open invitation to place their faith in Jesus Christ and experience Christ in you. And that's the other half of the gospel. The first half of the gospel is what Christ did for you. The other half of the gospel is what Christ does in you. You see, we love to sing about the cross. We love to sing about what He did for us, and rightly so, because He did something for us we could never do for ourselves. But just as important is what Christ wants to do in you today. I love how Paul ends this chapter in verse 29. He says, To this end I labor. Because this is true, I labor. Because Christ can be in you, I I labor, I, I struggle with all, notice this, I struggle with all, what's that say? His energy, which so powerfully works in me. Paul says, listen, 
I'm struggling at this. I'm working hard at it. I'm giving it everything I've got. And I'm doing better than everything I've got. I'm struggling with all of His energy that is at work in me. You see, that's the message translation says, that's what I'm working so hard at day after day, year after year, doing my best with the energy God so generously gives me. What are you working at day after day? What are you working hard at? year after year. What is it that is your goal? What is your driving force? Paul said, let me tell you what mine is. I want people to know this mysterion, this mystery, this sacred secret. I want people to know Him. That's what's driving me. That's what I struggle for and labor for. C.S. Lewis said, listen to this, listen, listen. C.S. Lewis said, if Christianity is false, it is of no importance. If it is true, it is of infinite importance. The only thing it can't be is moderately important. It's not moderate. Christ in you cannot be moderately important. Christ dying for you cannot be moderately important. The hope of glory is Jesus Christ. And it is not moderately important. It is of utmost importance. Of utmost importance that you know Him. That you have trusted in Him. And it is of utmost importance that you are laboring, struggling to help others know Him. In a world where 3 billion people worldwide still have no realistic access to the gospel. We still have plenty of reason to keep working. We have plenty of reason to keep going. We have plenty of reason to keep giving. Because the gospel is not just what he did for me. Thank God for what he did for me 2,000 years ago. He did something for me I could never do for myself. He did something for me that makes it possible for me to have my sins forgiven. He did something for me that was all grace undeserved. But what he did for me leads to what he wants to do in me. Christ in me is the reason my life can be different. Christ in me is the reason I can have hope. Christ in me is the answer to whatever struggle I'm having. So I want you to bow your heads for a moment. I want to offer you an invitation. The invitation is twofold. I want to ask you to listen very carefully and reverently. The invitation is twofold. First of all, sir, ma'am, I'm going to invite you for the first time in your life to place your faith in Jesus Christ and receive Him as your Savior and Lord of your life. By faith, you accept what He did for you and by faith, you ask Him to come live in you. Some of you perhaps today, right here, can come today to say, Pastor, I want Jesus in my life. I need Christ in me. This invitation is for you to receive Him. This invitation is also for you who are Christians who perhaps need to yield yourself more completely than ever before to the one who lives in you. Giving all that you are and all that you have to Christ who lives in you. 
yielding to him those areas where you have been stubborn, those areas where you have been rebellious, those areas where, where you have been sinful, yielding your life to him and inviting him to live his life in you on a daily basis. Christian, perhaps you come to this altar and yield yourself more completely than ever to Christ. Father, thank you for the hope of the gospel. That Christ did something for me and that he now wants to live in me. I pray that if there's anyone here today they've not experienced that reality, that today will be their day of salvation. That today will be the day that they invite Jesus Christ to come live in them. And I pray that today would also perhaps be the day when Christians will yield themselves more completely than ever before to the Christ who lives in them. And I pray that in Christ's name.